Welcome to My Best 11 podcast. Today we are joined by a goalkeeper extraordinaire who is one of the few players to have played both sides of the M1 derby, as they like to call it, um, but spent um, his time growing up uh, around Ramsey and then spent some time at Ipswich, Colchester, um, Tranmere, Luton, Sunderland and Watford. And in that interim, also spent some time on loan at um, a number of clubs, including Liverpool and Chelsea. Today, we are joined by Alec Chamberlain. How are you, Alec? I'm very well, thank you. Very nice to be here. Good. And what was nice it like hearing that as a what was it like hearing that as an intro? Yeah, no, it's always nice. I mean, it's almost like an out-of-body experience. You know, it's like somebody else's life, that was. Um, and now now you're uh, old and decrepit and you can't dive around anymore. It's uh, it seems what, what a was the guy's months. name? Was it Michael Aspel? Was that what it used to be with the this yeah. is your life thing? Is that what it this used is to your be? Life. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit like that, but um, yeah, it does seem a long time ago. But obviously, uh, some things um, you know feel like yesterday when you start talking about them. But uh, and you know, we've, we're very fortunate, as Marvel, I'm sure, always said, you know, to do what we've done um, over over a long period of time to stay in football and be involved in football, even now, you know, in a different capacity. But um, you know, it's a very privileged life, really. So. Um, from a farmer's boy to a to a to a footballer and a goalkeeper, you know, it's been quite interesting. Fantastic, sounds great. We'll dig into that in a little bit. Marvin, how are you? How's it feel to see Alec, one of your ex-teammates? Morning. Um, yeah, it's, it's great to see Alex. I mean, I think I think I've mentioned it before. Now we've had quite a few goalkeepers on, and Alec is. I mean, everyone and not a lot of people say this that he is one of the nicest guys you can meet. All right, and also as a goalkeeper, Andrew. I felt was very intelligent, very intelligent. Or it, it came across that way to me anyway. You know, the, the mad goalkeepers or whatever. Al, Al was very intelligent in my opinion, in my time, what I remember him. Yeah, right, you, it'll be interesting you, well, chat. You, yeah. yeah, you got, you had um, at the time, to put that into a little bit perspective, uh, at the time, when I joined Luton, Les Seely was there, God rest his soul. <laughs> and um, you had completely the other end of the spectrum. You know, we had like, Les, Les, who was completely, you know, would flip. At the, you know, if someone chipped him in training, he would literally throw his gloves on the floor and walk off and just leave me to carry on with all the shooting and everything, you know, on my own. Um, and obviously, in the end, it kind of caught up with him. Unfortunately, you know, he did have his heart problems and, and sadly passed away. Um, but you would, everybody that's ever been in contact with Les Seeley would know exactly what I'm talking about. He was yeah. a real firecracker, wasn't he, Marv? Yeah. Um, so I was, I'm always been quite, you know, quite laid back. I'm, I'm, I think I've got a long kind of, uh, what's the long, a long, long fuse where it takes me a long time to get really wound up. But if you, you know, if you do really get me, then I properly go, you know, so, uh, different, <laughs> different characters. Um, but I, I, a lot of people have said that about, um, not so much intelligent. I'm very, very grateful for that. Thanks, Marv. But, um, I'm the most sensible uh, goalkeeper they've ever met, you know, because 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 goalkeepers have had this reputation for being yeah. like, you know, lunatics really over the years, haven't they? Um, I'm not so sure now the modern day ones are so much, but, um, you know, but then I think it's, you know, they're a little bit more vanilla in general, aren't they? The, the, the footballers, you know, they're, they're, they live such a fairly sterile life, really. Yes. Yeah. Very true. Very true. So we're here to talk about your best 11 players, uh, those people who haven't um, 
listened to the podcast before, what we can do with Alec is go through the best 11 players he's ever set foot on a pitch with. Now, obviously, he's a goalie, so the goalkeeper will let slide, but everybody else he has to have played on a park in a competitive match with. So, first off, we're going to start off looking at formation. This is always interesting as a, um, we're talking to a goalkeeper, they either go ultra-defensive because they want to worry about goals, or they kind of, nah, don't worry about it. I always fancy myself as a striker. What's your formation? Well, I'm, I'm you know, fairly old school kind of guy. Um, so I'm going with the classic 4-4-2. Simply really because the, the lads, um, I've got a little bit of flair in the wide areas. Um, and, I, you know, I wanted to fit, fit sort of, um, yeah, four, four defenders who I think uh, would you know, do a very good job and have, have, have been obviously very, very influential people uh, in, in my clubs. Um, four midfield players, two central midfielders that, um, you know, that I, I had a lot of high regard for. Uh, and then strikers from different, um, not so much different eras, but different backgrounds. And um, one of the lads in particular, without giving too much away, was potentially going to be, you know, a real superstar and unfortunately, he got injured and didn't. It didn't quite work out. In fact, he might have ended up becoming one of our teammates, Marv, at, at one point. But um, oh. you know that uh, that didn't didn't actually uh, happen in the end. Unfortunately, I was um, I was talking to Ray Harford a lot about this particular person and uh, trying to see why he wasn't going to go and get him because. You know, he knew a lot about him as well. So there again, there's a few clues. There's another clue. Um, there's a few clues. Yeah, yeah. I like the idea of four, two up front, you know, the old-fashioned, like, uh, strikers playing as, as a partnership. And uh, it's what we probably grew up with and certainly played a lot of um, in my time at Watford as well. Fantastic. So we'll dive straight in to goalkeepers. So... Give us a few clues on the way and see if Marv and myself can guess these players. Off you go, Alec. Right. Well, uh, the goalkeeper was, um, he was an international footballer um, and uh, he's still involved in the football now. I've seen him um, involved uh, a championship club now, uh, not as a player anymore, but on the coaching staff. Um, he was um, a bright, young, up-and-coming goalkeeper when what, it was quite a funny story, really, that um, I'd played up till this point um, every game of this season. And it was just after Christmas and a young goalkeeper come and trained with us. And uh, I thought, well, you know, he looks uh, he looks quite decent, quite sharp, you know, made a lot of made, made some great, great reaction saves. And and uh, my contract was running out of this club where, where he came Um at the end of that season. And, and because I played every game, that, the manager was trying to replace me in that summer. And um, actually, was Brad Feed was mentioned. And um, he, uh, in the end, they couldn't get a work permit for him. So I, I, I played the rest of that season, was going in to see whether or not he'd changed his mind, whether he, you know, I, I'd performed well enough for him to think about giving me another contract at the end of that year. Before, obviously, all these agents came along, you see, and did all this for you. And uh, he said, well, you're not playing Sunday. I went, you what? He said, no, you're not playing Sunday. Uh, he didn't even talk about my contract. Uh, I said, well, well, who is then? He said, the lad that trained me this morning. 
So I was like, oh, I said, he's a kid. You know, he's like, I was at the time um, probably, uh, I'd have been about 30, 31. So like, you know, peak, round about the peak sort of thing, you know, um, it was a bit of a slap in the face, I've got to say. So, sorry, but, Al, was it, so, Al, was he just dropping you for bad form? Completely, or for completely what, for dropping bad- me. Because he, well, I think that the manager in question, which will come out, yeah. never really very, really fancied me. Um, and it was one of those situations where I, I played, um, there was another goalkeeper that was obviously connected to the club and he, he, um, he didn't really fancy either of us. I think the other guy went out on loan a bit. I stayed there and played. And I think he might have got injured as well. So um, he brought him in on loan, hadn't actually said anything to me, just, just literally took him that morning and, and, and it was just pure timing that I went along and um, and knocked on his door. We, we trained down about three miles away and I had to go back to the ground where we got changed. And then I went upstairs, knocked on his on his door and um, that was the news I got. So it was a bit of a blow. Oh. And I spent, I spent the next three months out of the team, travelling around. But you rate, but interestingly, you rate him though as the best goalkeeper you've seen in a squad around yeah. you there. So, so is yeah. he, sorry, is he, is he still playing? No, 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 he's no, on a coach. Right. But he was, he was when you think, yeah, when I, you I, think, I, 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 was I had about, someone in mind, but I, it's not, I can't think, I, I mean, it's not who I thought then, because I thought it was, um, no, it, it, it's, it's because, I mean, I, obviously I could give you more clues as to where, no, 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 it's all right. No, no. Andrew, do you know Andrew? I'm going to go Lenny Pidgeley. No, it was a good guess because he he did similarly at Watford uh, from Chelsea. Um, I, I lost my place when I got sent off uh, for Watford at Crew in a in a. And I thought ball. you were talking about Ray Lewington. That's who I thought you were talking about. No, no, Ray Ray did actually like me. He he, he did like. Oh, me. <laughs> well, the only the only goalkeepers I know around that time, young goalkeepers coming in, was him. Ben Foster, and Chris, I was thinking. I was thinking but Chris Day. Chris Day. Yeah. No, no, no. Again, they're all. You've done us out. You've done us out. All good. All all good guesses. But um, I would say Ben Ben Foster did come in right when I was really, really, you know, pushing forty. Really, so I had no real massive complaints. Um, um, So I would say I could have gone Ben. You're at Watford. I could have gone gone Ben Foster because he's probably the, you know. But I, I wouldn't have considered myself a real right. player at that point in, in time. You know what I mean? I was coming to the real end of my career. Yeah. So are we really talking about the club? Oh, the club is Watford, is it? Yeah, club's Watford. No. Oh, no. Huh? See? No. That's what I'm saying. No, it's not. Oh. No. no. So it's no, Sunderland then? Yes. Yes. Who the hell was Sunderland goalkeeper back then? Oh. But no, it wasn't. He came on alone for three months. Yes. Um, Gordon? No. No, no, you're, 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 after. you're, 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 you're you haven't gone far enough back, right? You're, you're going kind of around the, around the Mike Hooper era, aren't we? Yes, around that. That's very good. Um, but it wasn't hoops. Um, it was it was somebody that went on and played for his what? country. Which country? Re- Which country? Republic of Ireland. Shay Given. Oh, yeah. Correct. Shay yeah. Given. Yeah, yeah. So Shay Shay came in. Um, that morning, he was on loan from Blackburn. And um, as I say, we trained. I thought, you know, yeah, look, you know, not bad at all. You know, good good young kid, you know, that they're obviously going to 
have a look at. And he told me he was from Blackburn, you know, nice Irish accent. Um, quite a quiet boy, you know, just got on with it. Went back. Peter Reid was the manager. And uh, Peter Reid uh, had made it obvious all through that summer that he was trying to replace me. Brad Friedel couldn't get a work permit. And um, there were several options. Didn't happen. So I started the season by default. Even up to the day before the season, we were doing, you know, the final bit of set pieces and shape and all that. And Kevin Ball was like, well, you must be playing tomorrow then. You know, it was one of those, you know, where yeah. you literally... And, and it was poor man management, really, because he never, ever spoke to me and said, look, you know, you're not really for me, but, you know, I want you to go out. I want you to, you know, play for yourself or do whatever. Never, never, ever spoke to me. Just, let, like, let things run. And... Um, Shay came in that day and then he played at Leicester that day, uh, sorry, that Sunday. And um, I think from there on in, he, he played every game up until Easter Monday. And then he got, um, he got really badly, badly caught on a, on a cross. Someone really smashed him. He broke a couple of ribs. So he had to get through the rest of that game. I think he had about 20 minutes to go. So fair play to the kid. He got through the game, but then on, no, so that was Easter Saturday. And then on the Easter Monday, I, I played at home against um, Charlton and we drew nil-nil. And then I, obviously I played the rest of that season. We had about six games left and we still had to get promotion, seal promotion. We were top. And then obviously to try and win the, win the championship as well. And uh, luckily, I mean, obviously the lads were flying. Uh, I had a very good, uh, very good team in front of me, a very good defence. And... Um, we didn't concede a goal for five games. So I played the, the next five games, didn't concede. We won one promotion and then we won uh, on the thing on the fourth game. We won promotion at home to, I might be like, slightly wrong, but West Brom rings a bell. It, we might have, it might've been the one that might've been the one we won the league, but we won both obviously got promoted one week and we won the league the next week. And then the very last game of the season, we got beat away at Tranmere, but you know, obviously didn't, it was one of those yeah, no. where everybody <clears throat> party mode. But Al, yeah. but, but my question to you is what was so what was Peter Reed like like personally towards you when you've done that you were playing those games, no goals after each game? What, what was it was he like oh what an animal or was he still like Yeah, no, no, weird? he was he was fine. He was fine and and you know, um I think it's like like a lot of managers, you know, with goalkeepers. They only really bothered about you uh, and, and get upset is if you do something wrong. You know, if you do if you do what they just think that that is your job and that is like you know you should do what you do. Um, so I don't think he was a particular lover of goalkeepers, apart from you know the real exceptional ones that he probably played with, like Neville Southall and Tony Coton at Man City spring to mind. You know, and he obviously just didn't think I was at uh, at that level, unfortunately. But mm. and he's probably right. But at the same time, um, you know, I, I, I uh, you know, I was, ways I was a good treating pro. people, though. Um, yeah, yeah, I was a good pro, and um, I think to be fair that, that I got a lot of respect from the players the way that I, ha I handled that situation, and then come back into the team and performed, you know, well, and and you know, because they still had a lot to do. You know, if I'd have gone under, you know, we could have blown yeah. everything. No, end, but, so. but, that, but you're, you're right. That could have, that could have been so uh, a personal thing from your point of view. Like, you know what? F him, right? I'll go in, but like, I'll, it'd be like a token gesture. You're only using me now because he's injured. And you yeah. could have mm -hmm. like not been mentally tuned in, still trying to perform, but because you're not quite 
mentally there because of what he's done to you, they might not have got promoted. But that shows what a good pro you are. Well, I was, I was, uh, you know, I think there was an element with goalkeeping. You know, you can't, you know, like some. I think if you're a wide player or foot, you know, defenders and goalkeepers, you have to be, you know, it's self-preservation really. Because if you don't, if you don't give it your lot, you, the only person you're gonna look a look a prat is yourself, really. Yeah. So. You know, it's it's a little bit of self-preservation. There's there's obviously a bit of steel inside you that wants to shove it up the manager anyway and say, look, you know. But I had no complaints overall, really. Shea was outstanding. Um, so, so sharp, you know, made incredible saves. Um, in, in the early days, he came for more crosses than he did probably later in his career. But, yep. um, but probably young and fearless. Probably that, that, that incident at Barnsley probably kept him on his line a little bit longer after yeah. that because he got absolutely <laughs> he got absolutely banjoed. I was doing the local radio, as I say, like Radio Newcastle with John Cairns. And um I remember to, you know, at Barnsley's ground, he come to the back of the six yard box and somebody just came round the back and just smashed him. Absolutely smashed him. But they had no goalkeeper on the bench, you see. So uh, yeah, in a way they had he had to just struggle on. Yeah, he really did. Yeah. And uh all credit to him. He did. He did. Uh, he did very well in, in in those circumstances as well. Excellent. Excellent. So moving on to right back. Well, this this lad, um, we, me and him go back a long way, um, back to county football, um, and um, ultimately played together then uh, professionally uh, for a, for a for a good couple of seasons uh, before he then moved on to um, bigger and better places and went on and had a, had a long career. Um, and I've seen him on the road a lot. He does a lot of scouting as well now. So, um, so I still, still see him every, every season, obviously COVID, you know, apart. I haven't seen him this season, but um, he's um, yeah, he's a lad um, that was just a machine really. You know, he was, he was like a, a fullback that used to love getting forward, but but robust as well defensively, really really robust. Um, so the ideal sort of fullback, really, you know. You got sure you want. I'm guessing. I'm going to guess Tim Breaker. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so Tim and and he he popped up with the uh, incredible goal um, <laughs> at Derby. You know, in in the in the incredible relegation uh, game. Do you know what? He spoke to us about that the other week. And he, he said he reckons he was signed to West Ham off the back of that goal. I <laughs> thought they got um, who was the penalty taker they used to have used to score all the penalties used to, used to smash the penalties didn't he? Oh, um, Jimmy Dix. No, Jimmy no, Dix. before him earlier. Um, there was another, oh, another, Ray Stewart. That's it. Yeah, Ray Stewart. He was a right Ray back, Stewart. wasn't he? So maybe they thought <laughs> maybe they thought he was going to be the new Ray Stewart. But uh, no, Tim, Tim and I played for the old, old county of Huntingdonshire. And uh, okay. so our, our, our pass, you know, little did we know that, you know, probably, well, I don't know, what, six, seven years later, uh, that we'd be playing for Luton Town together. And uh, yeah, he was, I thought he was, you know, as I say, a, a tough, a tough defensive, uh, like good 1v1, good in the air. Just a very quite a quiet lad, really, wasn't he, Tim? Yeah. Um, did he want the ball? Guy. I mean, did, did he want the ball from you, or would he rather it just go straight over the top of his head to the midfield? Do you know what I mean? In t- I know the way the modern players, 
the modern right back and left back get the ball quite often from the goalkeeper on the edge of the penalty box. Would he have wanted yeah. that? I think I think he was um, I, I think he was certainly adequate on the ball. I wouldn't say he was a silky right back by any means. You know, I think he's he was more of a powerful right back that would get forward. But but his crossing, he, he could deliver a cross. Um, yeah. But in those days, we, I suppose under Jimmy Ryan and Ray, we we played a little bit through from the back if it was on. But it was more if I got the ball from say across from from their right. And then he would go, you know, to sort of counter-attack. It was more putting him in, in, in on a counter-attack rather than, you know, today, passing the ball out from the six-yard box. Slowly, you know, slowly, yeah. Yeah, no, it wasn't. It, we, we didn't really play like that, I didn't feel. It was, um, you know, even at Luton on the plastic pitch, you know, with um, a target man like McArthur, you know, it was, you played your football you know, in, in the opposition's half. And uh, Mick was such an incredible guy at getting, getting balls onto his chest and laying it off and, you know, giving it to the wide player, giving it to a midfield player and then getting the box that... Um, so I've just spat on my screen. Um, <laughs> that um, <laughs> Not a good look. So, but Al, you, you, yeah. you, you, you touched on... You, you came up, like, through the... Was it the county or whatever with Tim? What, when was it you actually was or became a goalkeeper? Was it one of them ones where, you, you mean, you just, from the get-go, or was it one of them ones where you was like a centre-forward, a, you're not very good centre-forward, getting goal? Or no, it was yeah. you were... it was, I, I, I did a bit of both. Um, so I played for the for the real young county team when you were in, still in primary school. I played one game as centre-midfield and then one game as a goalkeeper. There was another lad called John Henson. And, um, but as I got older um, and into the more senior stuff, when I went to senior school, I, I trialled because by, by this time I thought, I'd, I think I'd gone from centre mid to centre half. And eventually I thought, you know, actually I'm probably a better goalkeeper than I am an outfield player. But when I went to um, senior school, there was another lad who trialled because school football meant something in those days, as, as did county football. And um, we had actually an A team and a B team at school. And uh, there was another lad called Roger Oldpress who got selected ahead of me, you know, in these trials. So I then trialled as an outfield player. And again, I, I think I, I might have started in midfield uh, originally um, and then became centre-half. But what happened was poor old Roger broke his leg uh, in his with his dad in a car crash. And it was his femur at the top, you know, so, you know the, the, big, the big bone. Mm. Um, and he was in, he was in, I don't know if he was in plaster, but he was certainly affected with that for a long time. And he actually had, he, he lost a bit of height um, on one leg, you know, so had a little bit of a, a differential in his, in his size. He wasn't a big, big goalkeeper anyway. He was, he was under six foot, but he had like one leg longer than the other after this, this crash. The beating goalkeeper for me was nowhere near it. And I knew I was better than him. So I insisted that we trialled again. And at the end of a games lesson, the, uh, our history teacher at school also played for Ramsey Town. So Mr. Mr. Pierce used to take the football team. So I said to Ernie, as he, I, became, I actually played with him at Ramsey, Ernie Pierce, I said, look, Mr. Pierce, I said, I, I, I know I'm better than Andrew Robinson, you know, in goal. Um, I said, oh, you old. named him as well. Poor kid. You just keep right, naming yeah. him, Andrew Robinson. Sorry. He, but he might have gone on. I don't know. Um, 
I won't. Please. I won't tag him on social media. <laughs> please, please don't. So we we had like a shooting session at the end of training or end of the games lesson, and uh, and that they were like, oh yeah, okay, okay. So I went from that moment when this lad broke his leg, I went in goal for the school, and then obviously um, played. Uh, Got, got noticed enough to go um, and with the county. And because I played, I guess I played with Huntingshire in goal and on pitch, they kept tabs on me anyway. And, and so I became like the, the goalkeeper with the county. Originally, <clears throat> I think it was, it, we didn't have all, an age group all the way up. It was, um, it was an under 18s. So you, if you could get in there, if you were good enough, you know, at 14, 15, well, 15 real, realistically, I think I was involved when I was about 15, but I was on the bench. And then we did amazing. We got through to the FA Cup, FA County Youth Cup semi-final. We went away, played at uh, Leyland, uh, their, you know, their factory. It's the Lancashire FA's place. We played Lancashire away, got beat in the semi-final. And then when it became, when those lads then were too old, I got in the side at about 16. And... Um, we eventually we we did the same thing. We got all the way to the semi final. Um, we played that we played Lancashire again, believe it or not, at Ramsey Town though at home, and that's the one. That's the game really that that got me got me into professional football. Um, I got there was about I don't know how many scouts there, and I got about five trials from that one game because it went to extra time. We drew nil nil. Obviously, I had a lot to do. Uh, we lost in, in extra time. I think it was 2-0 in extra time. But um, I went to Wolves, Ipswich, Norwich, Stoke. Um, one other, can't think. Manchester City. There we go, Manchester City. So I had five trials from that one game and, and um, ultimately Ipswich Town offered me a, offered me a contract. Uh, I played one game for them. I went and I had a couple of days training at various times. Um, and then I played an end-of-season game at South End, actually on Roots Hall, believe it or not. And um, they said, look, you know, we'd like you to come. I'd already started doing my A-levels, left school in the end halfway through my A-levels to go and join Ipswich and could only get a one-year contract because, obviously, normally you leave at 16, don't you, and have a two-year yeah. apprenticeship in those days. But I was... So I, I still had to do jobs and everything, but they gave me a one-year pro... Um, I think but I had to pay my own digs so I was about 60 quid a week and paying my own digs I actually came out with less than the apprentices <laughs> <laughs> it was like I got done up kipper absolute done kipper, I like, that's, yeah. a, that's a good story I like that I like that yeah, that is so, awesome yeah yeah so so it was a it was a, a real stroke of fate you know I, I literally yeah. I always say to people I literally fell into football it was it was just fortune being the right place right time um, obviously, you've got to take your opportunities. Correct. Uh, but, um, you know, you need that, that literally that break. So had Roger Allpress not broke his leg, you know, who knows whether I would actually have gone and played You don't off. think? You don't think? You don't, you don't know. You don't know, do you? I mean, yeah, I, no. I might have done later because I was going to get slower and slower on pitch, let me tell you. <laughs> so, that was, <laughs> you know, there was every chance I would have moved back eventually, but whether or not then the opportunity... It'll be too reach, late. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. maybe. The training. So, All right. Awesome. That's great to hear. That's, and and yeah. I think anybody listening shows that keep plugging away young kids and eventually you might get there. 
Um, yeah. Left backs for yourself. Let's move on to left back. Yeah, well, I mean, like the right backs, really. I, I should have said that there was. I had three right backs that were really strong, really strong. Um, and sorry, Al, you can't, you can't, you can't give honourable mentions as well. So even like yeah. when you're leading up to it, even though it's not going to be that person, you can say this person, right. this person as well. So you know. Yeah, well, N Nigel Gibbs is really unlucky not to be in there, um, and Lloyd Doyley as well. Both both Watford players, yeah. but both I think probably the best two 1v1 defenders I've played with, you know. Um, and I think Lloyd learned a lot off Gibbo, to be fair. But Nigel Gibbs, I remember we played at um, Arsenal at the old Highbury and uh, he marked Mark Overmars and literally marked him out of the game. Incredible, incredible. And Gibbo was no spring chicken by then. He was, you know, he was over 30. Um, and obviously nowhere near as quick as Omars, although, although Gibbo had good pace, but... Overmars was rapid. Oh, yeah, he was uh, rapid, yeah. yeah. He, had him, he had him in his pocket. He, kn he just knew, he knew when to go tight. He knew when to drop off. You know, he, he just knew how to defend. He had been taught well, you know. Um, Graham Taylor um, and before him, you know, in the youth team, Tom Wally and people like that, uh, amazing, amazing uh, coaches. And, uh, yeah, so I think Lloyd Doyley then learned off, uh, off Gibbo for sure because uh, Gibbo stayed on in the coaching staff as well. So yeah. I've got, I've got two, two left-backs that I wrote down. Yep. Um, again, um, what, one from Watford days. Um, what, oh, I shouldn't have said that. And one from uh, Sunderland days. Uh, so yeah. so you're the, one, the, one, the one you're choosing is obviously from the one from the Watford days, is it? Possibly. Possibly. <laughs> I'm going to go straight game. in there. I'm going to go straight in there, right? Straight not very good secret squirrel stuff. Paul Robinson. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'll give that too easily. I mean, I don't I think you'd have got him quickly anyway. Um, because I was gonna say that, you know, he was a young boy, came in to the side uh, um, you know, from the youth team straight into the first team, and um he went on and had a, had a fantastic Premier League uh career at West Brom particularly. Um had a long time there. And, and he had a long, real long career. I mean, he ended up playing um, still at Birmingham City for, for, for a long, long time and stayed on there as a coach. So he, uh, he was someone that matured. He was quite a, a lively character, Robbo. Um, and he used to call me dad and I used to call him son. And even now, you know, when we speak, you know, it's all right, all right, dad, all right, all right son. You know, it was because <laughs> literally he was, he was that, that young. And by the time I went to Watford, I was 32 going on to whatever I played till, but um, he was 17, 18 and getting in the first yep. team. And he was um, a little bit reckless at times. He had a bit of a reputation for getting sent off but um, and getting booked. But, um, you know, he was athletic, uh, fantastic left foot, real incredible spirit about him, you know, competitive spirit. And uh, another one, you know, that was... You know, you don't play Premier League football and, and Championship football if you're not a good defender. And he was a very good defender, but a great yeah. character. I mean, Christmas, Christmas, Christmas drinks and things like that. You know, were legendary. Bit of a, bit of a loose cannon. A little bit, a little bit. But I go say, on then, go on then. Give, give us a story then. Go on then. Give us a story about it then. Well, um, he probably won't thank me for this. So he'll be fine. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. Well, there, there was definitely um, there was definitely one year where it was bad taste. You know, we had to uh, obviously dress. You know, go to the charity shops, get your get your bad bad taste gear, and 
Robbo, I can't remember where we were, but Robbo, instead of going to the to the toilets, he just used to wet himself. <laughs> that, is, <laughs> I, that doesn't that doesn't surprise me. Did he what? Did he think he was playing Luton the next day or something? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> well, he thought he thought he thought this would be an authentic way of of being like a tramp, you know. So he, oh, like, he just God. wet himself. It was funny at the it was funny at the time. Obviously, after a few drinks, and once that warm went through him, though, and then he had just that those wet cold trousers. Oh, cool. I'm sure that wasn't wasn't the best idea then, but no. Um, yeah, yeah, that was that was one of his party pieces. Yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, there was another. I think on the same day, um, he, he, he first time I'd ever had these these drinks uh, called Monkey Brains, and they were oh. like uh, Bailey's with yeah. something else you put in, and it makes it yeah. kind of. It looks like a brain, yeah, like a monkey. It looks like, like a I've brain. Yes. Oh, and and Robbo got us all on these monkey brains. Well, we were absolutely, you know, legless. You know, you can imagine. So he he was the monkey brain boy. Yeah, yeah, as well. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, good boy. I mean, he's he, what, what a lad. I mean, he lives. I think he lives in Stratford upon Avon now, so not that far from me. I'm in Northampton, and um, but I haven't seen him lately. But uh, he's got. He stayed. He had a school, school, um, school girl. You know, like a romance. You know, school. Uh, and stayed with the yeah. same girl, Caroline, all the way from school. You know, um, great story. I think got, they got four kids. Wonderful, like wonderful family, lovely people, and and his, and his mum and dad as well. We all used to come to the games, like yours, mum, mum and dad, Marv. You know, we, it was just fantastic times because we knew all everybody's families as well. You know, right. it was great. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, lovely, yeah. lovely. It's so moving on to centre back. Centre backs, either or. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, again, you know, I could go. I, when I was thinking about it, I, I, I'd written this list a long time ago when when we were possibly going to do it last like, end of last year and um and then this morning i've been looking through it again and uh i was thinking like you know i'm leaving a lot of, a lot of really strong people out um marvin's included sorry marv thank you that's oh that's fine no listen that's good then it's, yeah, it's, it's like good to people be. like yourself and tumble um uh, you know john Trey, you know people like that who, who are great greza you know great uh daichi you know daichi didn't awesome. make it no, make no, it? don't tell him. For Christ's sake, don't tell him. Don't <laughs> <laughs> get sacked at Burnley straight away. <laughs> but uh, Mal Donaghy, for crying out loud, you know, Fozzy, you know, all these people that were amazing, amazing centre-halves. Um, so, yeah, I've got two. Uh, one, naturally, they're both right-footed. Obviously, one has to play on the left. Um so I've got one, and this guy um, started his playing days, as far as I know anyway, uh, at Oxford and uh, played for his country. And he was... Got it. Ama- amazing off the pitch in terms of, you know, hardly said a word, but then you gave him a pint of lager and you never seemed such a happy man. You know what I mean? He was just like... <laughs> and he had hollow got, legs. Got it, Andrew. I'm going to go for Robert Page. No, 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 no. Oh. <laughs> I'm laughing. I'm not laughing. I'm laughing. I was so Andrew confident. Was so confident. Got it. 
Got it. Robert Page, I swear, played for Oxford and he played for Wales and he was a centre back. He didn't play for Oxford, but um, he, did. he did play. He did play for Wales. And the, and this yeah. guy, this guy, this guy in question, um, he did also uh, play for Wales. So there you go. It's not a clue. Oh, I've Chris got it. Chris Coleman. No. no. It's, he played uh, for Sunderland. Been playing with uh, Chris. I tell you who it is. Is Andy Melville. Boom. Well done. Yeah. Yeah. Andy Melville was um, he was definitely ahead of his time in terms of a ball playing centre back. He could he could he was really good on the ball. Played for Fulham. Hundred percent. Yeah, he 100% was. He was agreed, you great in the air. Um, and as I say, off the field, Mel was yeah. a quiet man. But you got him in the corner of a pub, and he just used to sit there like, oh, it's just yeah. Drinking. And he became this happy kind of you know chatty bloke, you know, which didn't used to say two words to you all week. Got him no. out of hard, but he was, he was different class. And was he, he not a shelter on the pitch then? Yeah, no. To be fair, he, he would organise. He would. Yeah, he, would, he had a different character on the field. Um, and again, you know, anybody that plays for the country and plays Premier League football like Mel did, uh, you know, he's, he was class. And he played a lot of games as well. He played, you know, loads of games. So um, he, he did his time uh, in the lower leagues and worked his way up, and then. Um, did well and um, recently uh, he's, he's now just just started going into the agency world actually but um, he was uh, chief scout at uh, Northampton Town locally so oh. um, he still lives in Oxford with his uh, with his wife so um, I've seen him uh, I've seen him at games when I've been out scouting uh, and I sort of used to see him at Ipswich as well uh, sorry Ipswich, at Northampton um, at Northampton games, you know, when he was there. But uh, it's a precarious business and obviously he moved on and in the end he thought, well, you know, poacher turned gamekeeper now, so he's gone into the agency yeah. world. <laughs> but, and, uh, um, yeah, class, is it Sunderland? He's played with him, Sunderland? Yeah, yeah, yeah. played with him at Sunderland. Yeah. He was part of that team that we won We won the championship and went up, yeah. So I totally, um, agree. I totally agree with you, Al. Like, I mean, Mel, I mean, I'm... I met Mel through um, Tippy Philip Gray when he was yeah, off of Sunderland and stuff, and then um, yeah, you said way, way ahead of his time, like as a um, ball playing centre half. Really, yeah. he was like he was around like, a lot long um, earlier than me, I think. So, and I remember him being so comfortable on the ball, so comfortable. Yeah, on the ball. he was. You know, like like you know, people have talked. Sadly, you know, Glenn Rhoda passed away, didn't he, a few weeks ago? And Glenn was kind of even in a previous era ahead of his time because he played on that QPR pitch and he, you know, doing his step overs and things, you know. Uh, Mel wasn't quite that kind of, um, didn't probably come forward with the ball, but he was comfortable to sort of play out and, um, calm. you know, calm. comfortable, calm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, real, real solid. A lad you could depend on. You knew that he was going to be seven, eight out of 10 every week. Absolutely. Rarely had a bad game. Rarely had a bad game. So, so the other next one, to Andy is yeah. yes, yeah. Next to Andy, well, this guy um, really impressed me um, because when I when I played with him, he was much much younger than me, um, but he was captain of our team. Same and, club? Um, no, no. Ooh, okay. Um, so he um, again, I've I've I've. The people I've, I've not mentioned Kevin Ball either, by the way. That's who I was just, thinking of. That's who I was thinking well, of. Kevin, Kevin Ball, um, along with Daichi, probably the best captains I've ever played with. You know, they were 
like Kevin Ball was like a real, a real, a proper man, you know, like a fierce, <laughs> I mean, fierce competitor. Uh, I've seen him chin his own players in training, never mind like the opposition. And he used to snap, snap people, played either midfield or he played at the back. He probably played more in midfield at Sunderland in the end with me than he did at the, uh, uh, you know, at centre-back. But I could have had him either. And in fact, he hasn't made it in either position, unfortunately. But he's one of those players that will always have, you know, close close links with my heart, you know, because he was very important to me when I played at, at Sunderland. I think from a, uh, you know, from a mental uh, sort of companionship, you know, you know I think he, he'd come from the south, from Hastings, and uh, played obviously a lot, a lot of games for Portsmouth. And um, he was, um, so he knew what it was like to come from the south to the north. In actual fact, he's never moved. He stayed up there. He's a, he's a legend up there and like a club ambassador and things like that. But sadly, Bawley didn't get in this, in this side. Um, so this guy I'm talking about, um, yes, he, he was a very young captain. He lost his hair quite young as well. And um, right-footed. Um, play for his country. Um, was it Ireland, the country? No, no, no. It was Wales. So, Andy. Oh, Robert Page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Page. there we you go. You got him there, Andy. You got the tea. <laughs> I, I thought he'd be in there yeah. somewhere. Yeah, Pagey, Pagey uh, obviously now is like, at the moment, in charge of Wales um, national team, you know, with right. Ryan Giggs' uh, problems. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and and I've, I've worked with Pagey uh, with the Wales under-21s as well. I do the goalkeeping coaching with the Wales under-21s. So I've, I've had a lot of uh, connections with Pagey all the way through, really. But again, it's someone that he was such a fantastic competitor, um, grew up under Tom Wally. So he had great defensive um, tuition from, from Tom and um, great principles, really. You know, and, and he's gone on and... He went on Sheffield United, Coventry, played played a lot of football at different clubs, but ultimately also played international football. So, you know, you have to, you know, tip your hat to him, you know, yeah. for yeah. anybody that's played for their country, you know, fantastic. Um, great lad, you know, real top lad, um, someone, you know, that uh, you could always rely on, really, you know. Um, you know, why, you was know he, why would you think he was made captain at such a young age? What, what? Well, I, th- I think... I think people are are born to those sort of roles, and I think Pagey was always that kind of leader of men. Even though he was dealing with a lot of lads that were experienced, a lot older than him, didn't phase him one bit. Didn't phase him one bit, which is why, you know, I can always think when he went to manage his country uh, from the under twenty ones, he got called up, and now obviously he's had to step in. I didn't think it would phase him because he's just a natural leader of men. Um, Even though he's managing people like Bale and Ramsey and people like that who are superstars. No, that's right. I mean, yeah, I mean, it must be quite daunting, really. But, you know, at the same time, he's got a, he's got a real manager's edge about him, I felt. With the under-21s uh, with Wales, having seen him close up in the dressing room as a, as a, as a manager, I just thought he commanded respect, you know, and, and that was the same when he was a player. He, you know, you, you have to, if you're a captain, you have to be... First pick on the on the team sheet, ideally, and um, you have to lead by example. So, of course, those things came naturally to him. I think he's a real, real competitor. We we've been up in a way with the uh, even younger age groups with the under with Wales with under 19s, under 17s, 
and Paige is mad about playing head tennis. So we went to this um, pre-season tour or sort of um, tournament in uh, Hungary, uh, a place called Telki. It's their national training centre. Every day, myself and Rob Edwards had to play Pagey and Paul Bowden at head tennis every day. And it was like, it was July. It was about 90 degrees. It was a proper sweat box, you know. But, and it was great, great fun. But Pagey would not stop until he'd won. You know, it's one of those, you know, he had to win, had to win. So it shows you his character, really, and um, his determination. And, you know, that's why he's, he's just got the edge for me. I think because he was so young and such a, a young captain, showed such great leadership at that age, I think, apart from his ability as, as a centre, he'd head, he'd head anything as well. You know, he was, uh, yeah. he was, uh, he was a tough boy, very tough boy. Fantastic. Fantastic. So what we can do is we're going to pause there for a short break from our sponsors. And when we come back, we'll hear part two um, of Alec Chamberlain's My Best Eleven. Hi, my name is Kevin Nichols. Hi, my name is Kingsley Black. Hi, my name's Rebecca Lowe. Hi, my name's Tony Thorpe. My name's Graham Alexander. I'm David Oldfield. Hi. My name's Steve Davis. My name's Carl Emerson. Hey, it's Emerson Boyce here. Hi, my name's Stephen Robinson. My name is Andy Kiwamia. And you're listening to my best. And you are listening to my best. To my best. 11 podcast. And you're listening to my best 11 podcast. So welcome back for part two of Alec Chamberlain's My Best 11. So far we have Shay Given, Tim Breaker, Paul Robinson, and centre-backs are Andy Melville and Robert Page. So we'll start off on the right-hand side um, of Alex 442, right-hand side of midfield. So take it away, Alex. Over to you. Okay, well, <clears throat> this guy uh, is, is a real... He, this might surprise... It surprises me that I'm even putting him in the team because <laughs> he, he, was, he, was, he was a little bit uh, of a maverick. Um, and, and this is the one player I think I'm giving a little bit more artistic licence in the side to go and do something incredible. And he's probably the most skillful, uh, the, uh, the player that had the most ability on the ball I think I've ever played with. Um, you know, he could do tricks. I remember him doing something in the dressing room before the game. It literally blew my mind. I'd never seen it done before. Um, probably kids do it all the time now. But I was I was sitting sitting, you know, literally just, you know, sort of, waiting to go out for the warm-up or something like that. And he was messing about with a ball and he flicked the ball towards me and dragged it back at the same time, you know, like boom, boom. And I went to catch the ball, you know, like thinking he was knocking it. <laughs> and he, he took it back again. So um, he was a bit of a circus act, but on his day, he could be unplayable because he had pace, uh, he had trickery, he could score a goal. Um, but other days, you know, he'd be totally anonymous. He was a typical winger, really. You know, a bit, a bit. Club? Um, what club? Um, our club. Oh, our club. Is? I think I know our who club. it is. I'm, I think I know who it is. When you said that, yeah. when you said that trick, I thought that's yeah. Go on, Andrew. Go on, Marv. Andrew, 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 no, 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 no. No, I'm nowhere near. No, you go for it, Marv. Uh, then I'm just gonna guess Roy Wegley. You're right. Yeah, you're oh. spot on. Yeah. He went. He went on and played. He played for Chelsea, didn't he? And uh, or was QPR. that before us? QPR. No. QPR. Come, I think Coventry. He came to us from Chelsea. 
He came, he came to us from Chelsea for 15 years. And he was a QPR then Coventry. Have I got recollections of Coventry? Am I getting confused? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but, yeah. And he probably, I don't think he probably um, actually fulfilled his potential, if I'm honest. But he was, um, as I say, he was a maverick. And, and he's not really a player that I would ever hang my hat on. If you're talking about having a winger that can do something different, I mean, I've got I'd, I'd, the other dads I've got from my Watford days when Nick Wright, who scored that amazing overhead kick at Wembley, absolute workhorse, but by his own admission, didn't have a particularly have a trick, but he would push and run and then got across him. So he, he did what he had to do. And Graham Taylor um, sort of embedded in him that he had to track the back, trap the back post. So any balls that were getting crossed from the left hand side, he would be there and he would get a tap in. And he scored a few goals like that, righty, but obviously will always be remembered for his overhead kick at Wembley and was so unlucky that he got badly injured the season mm. afterwards and had to ultimately retire. And the other lad um, who was kind of a right back or a right winger or a, or a wing back actually played played when we did play a five um, was Darren Baisley, um, another one who yeah, was yeah. probably probably a bit more... Um, could probably do a bit more of a trick um, than Wrighty, but again, he, he was um, he had that versatility. Uh, a lovely, lovely lad. He lives um, he lives in Australia. Uh, no, sorry, yeah. New Zealand, New Zealand, New Zealand now, base. Right. Um, he, he did come over. I think he was at uh, one of the Australian clubs just as COVID hit. Um, was it, was okay. it Newcastle? Newcastle, Newcastle Jets. Yeah, Newcastle Jets. Yeah. But he's he works for the uh, New Zealand uh, FA anyway now. Um, I think he's um, he's done very well with his coaching career with New Zealand. Um, but yeah, Roy, uh, you know, I say it was it was a fleeting time that I probably played with Roy and Roy probably, but he's the one player that I've given a bit of a license to go and do your thing, you know, in the team. Yeah, where there's a lot of structure and a lot of disciplined players in this side. <laughs> But yeah, Roy, Roy was uh, Roy was definitely the maverick. Uh, South need, Africa. Yeah, you need you, you need a game changer, and I think that's yeah. where you've gone with Roy Wegley. Is that within well, when we hear your the rest of your team? I think you'll you'll find that he's the one. If it's a tight game, who could do that little bit of magic, which he could do, like like he was unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was quick, like you said. He could head. Oh, yeah. Like his dribbling skills were. Were fantastic, amazing, amazing. Yeah, to be fair, the, the, the on the other other wing, he was a game changer as well, but probably had a little bit more discipline in his game. You know, he would do yeah. probably uh, a bit more for the team out of possession. <clears throat> um, but um, well, yeah. well, we'll go across. We'll go across to the left yeah. if you want while we're yeah. while we're there. Yeah. Okay. Well, this this lad was. Um, yeah, uh, I'm gonna. It's going to be too easy for you to guess, Marv. You know. Um, <laughs> He was a choir boy, really. He should have been a choir boy, um, not a footballer. He was the poshest, poshest footballer I've ever, ever played with. The most, the most well-spoken, uh, the most polite. He would, he would go red if anybody spoke to him. Uh, <laughs> I'll start writing yeah. his name down now, shall I? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and yet, he, and yet he was a genius, yeah, really, on the ball. Um, scored, scored lots of great goals. His delivery with his left foot was amazing. His set pieces were great. You know, he scored some vital goals for us, you know, again, yeah. in, in, in vital games. Um, and he went on and obviously had bigger, uh, played for bigger clubs probably, but also played for his country. Um, 
And on, at the same time, was always kind of like building up a property portfolio, wasn't he? Yeah. He was kind of like, he was ahead of his time, really. Um, probably, um, probably a millionaire outside of football, you know what I mean, without his football. But, you know, a brilliant player. And uh, Andrew? A- Kingsley Black. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. 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 Choir boy. Yeah. He's, he was a quiet, the, the quietest man in the world and very well spoken, like you said. He, he, yeah. Like even when he was like angry, it's a little bit he's apologetic, wasn't he? Yeah. Do you know what? Yeah. You're, you're totally right. My nan used to. Um, I think I spoke to him about this. My nan used to uh, work at the school as the PA to the head teacher, headmaster, and she said she remembers him coming in upright, perfect out uniform, everything was perfect and spick and span. Even when he was kind of five or six or seven, apparently he just had that look about him even then. But she remembers yeah. him then. So you're right in terms of just his his outlook and his demeanour, even at that age. No, he's a lovely lad. You can you can never fall out with Kings. You know, he was <laughs> just, just a lovely lad, you know. And uh, if, like Marv said, if he got angry, he would even swear with a posh voice. You know, it was, it was hilarious. <laughs> no, I, think, I think probably if, if he was a bit upset with anybody and he then swore at you, and then they, you just laugh back at him because he was swearing so in such a posh voice, you know, that <laughs> it would probably wind him up even more. You know? <laughs> um, but yeah, what a player. What a player. He could run. Um, he could he could push it and run. He could he could beat somebody with ability, you know, with skill. Um, and his left foot, he could open a can of beans with. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Um, scored scored was- two, didn't he, in that game at Derby? Yeah, uh, yeah. Popped up. Popped up with the last one, I think, the crucial one, when they got back to two all. Um, and then probably the worst 15 minutes of football you'll ever see. I've actually watched it back, where I literally get the ball. Do you remember? I used to get no. the ball. used to roll it. used to roll it. You had to roll it out and get it, pass it back to me, pick it up, roll it the other side, pick it up. And then, um, so I was doing that for most of the last 15 minutes, just trying to literally you know, waste the game away. Um, but then Julian James um, gave a real, like, dodgy back pass to me. He, he tried to volley it back to me. And um, this was really quite, in the last, after we were 3-2 up, they put Mark Wright up front, you know, pushed him up from centre-half. And um, so I say, Julian must have got the ball on the volley and he tried to just volley it back to me, but he left me, left me short. So I, I've had to come running out of the box and Mark Wright's coming in, and I've absolutely banjoed uh, Mark Wright. I broke his jaw. <gasps> I broke his jaw. And uh, what was in England the international Mark Wright? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I only found this out years later. It's an amazing story because um, I knew I knew I'd caught him bad, you know, because obviously I I just got there first, and um, well, no, he got there first. But I smashed his jaw, uh, so he, the ball went out you know, safe, because it was sort of wide of the 18-yard box. Um, but I caught him with my knee right in his thigh. And so I gave him, like, as far as I knew, he went off with the most horrendous dead leg. Um, years later, I was on loan from Sunderland at Liverpool. Who did I run with? Mark Wright. Unbelievable, right? So we're in the room talking about, he said, uh he said, did you play for Luton that day? Again, you know, uh, last game. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, oh, yeah. I said, you come up front, didn't you? And I said, I'm, I whacked you. He went, you put me out of the World Cup, mate. 
I think it was either the World Cup or the European Championships. He said, it wasn't my jaw. My jaw wasn't a problem. He said, the dead leg he gave me, he said, I just couldn't get rid of it. It was like, I couldn't run on it, you know. He said, oh, oh. I said, I, it was the worst dead leg ever. And yet, you know, I didn't, I had no idea. We were just celebrating, weren't we? Because we stayed up. Yeah. Like, <laughs> one, of, one of the best achievements of my career that day, I, I never, will never, ever forget how amazing that, 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 that feeling was, you know, to stay up. Because we never won a game all season, had we? And we won, no. went to the baseball ground on a rock hard pitch and won 3 2 to stay up. And Forrest got beat 3 0. No, That's sorry. Sheffield, Sheffield Wednesday lost, Sheffield Wednesday. lost 3 0 to Nottingham Forest under Cloughy. Yeah. And do you remember, so, and do you remember what, what happened after that where we went? Yeah. They ended up <laughs> in, the same, in the same resort, didn't they? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Port oh, Benice, wasn't it? We ended up going yeah. to Spain. They were in Spain and we walked into the bar and it was like, there's oh. Wednesday, there's Lou and Town. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What are the chances? Yeah. yeah. I know. And how was how was that? Awkward or who left? You left or you just... I think it was, I think it was that bad, was it? With. But I think after, was... after like the initial, yeah. like, oh, you know, that was fine. Yeah, yeah. At the end of the day, what can you do? You know, it's, yeah. uh, you know, it's what's it's happening. Professional sport. Yeah. Professional game. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So, so uh, Kingsley Black is on left yeah. midfield, central midfields. Who are you going for in there, right. Alec? Okay, so these two um, were well. One of them was an international, uh, right footed. One of them was a left footer. So, I've got a nice bit of balance. Um, shall I go? I'll go with the right foot to start with. Um, he, yeah, international footballer. Um, could uh, a great. Um, Great character, a uh, great lad. You know, we all, we, all the boys loved him. Um, he uh, was a smoker, actually, cheeky smoker. Uh, loved a drink, loved a fag, uh, but ran all day. You know, he was fit as a fiddle, ran all day. Uh, better on the ball than probably people gave him credit for. Um, and uh, would pop up with, a, with an important goal for us. Um, real feisty little character. Uh, narky little, became a manager. In, in later years. Um, you know, funny enough, when you started talking, it's weird because this name comes straight to my head and I'm thinking it's going to be him. But I don't know why. Because, I, I mean, it's not someone who I feel some people might think, oh, he was just like a steady Eddie sort of thing. But like, that's why it's your best 11. That's why it's great. But carry on anyway. Okay. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so this guy, yeah, I... I, I I've got, a, I've got a great story about um, when I first come to, to Luton, actually. But, yeah, and, and Danny... Was, oh, and, now. and you just said his name, Danny Wilson. Danny Wilson, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Oh, really? Yeah. Danny Wilson, well, I've yeah. not heard his name so far. No. Well, Danny, Danny um, I thought, um, was, you know, an integral part of that side. When I first broke into the side at Luton, um, you know, I thought he was... I say great legs, you know, in the midfield, did a lot of the fetching and carrying and, um, but, but better on the ball than people gave him credit for. Yeah. Played for Northern Ireland, even though he didn't sound very Irish. He was a <laughs> plastic, plastic, plastic Irishman. But um, no, he, he, I think we had um, games where, you know, Danny scored goals uh, in the sort of Ian Dowie kind of era that time where we, we had to win games to stay up again. Um, it was a recurring theme, wasn't it? Um, in those days and um, 
Yeah, I thought he was a great character. Uh, What's the story? Like, the story's well, when we when I first signed for for Watford, Tumble signed as well, didn't he? And um, they, there was um, Darren and Ali McDonough lived above the brewery tap, didn't they? Yeah. So um, the first chance we got, um, I, I think we'd only been training a few days. They said, "Oh, you know." everybody's going to go out, you know, get to know the new lads well, which was great, you know, and obviously Danny was a part of that. Um, he lived down the Bedford Road, I think, didn't he? Somewhere like yeah. that. Uh, anyway, like, we all went out, uh, started in the brewery tap. And I don't know why, because I never drank. When I was at um, Colchester, I drank uh, just normal lager, but for, in the brewery tap anyway, the only sort of lager that I could see that I kind of like knew and I liked, I thought, but well, I don't know if I liked it even, was, was Stella. I mean, <laughs> so I, I started drinking pints of Stella. So we stayed, I think we stayed in the brewery tap. There was, there was another pub further down the road uh, we went to, but then we were going to come back for last orders back at the brewery tap. So when we were running back, I was projectile sick <laughs> trying to get back to the brewery tap. Um, got got back to the brewery tap, had another pint at the same time all the the wives and girlfriends were all in with Ali McDonough in their flat and Danny's wife Karen was uh, was obviously up, up there as well so anyway I've had this last pint and then we've gone we've gone uh, to, to Danny's flat there must have been I don't know eight ten people in there plus you know Plus partners. Anyway, I'm I'm standing in the corner. I'm feeling like you know I'm going to throw up again at any point. Um, so someone said to me, "Oh, I think it was Ali." Said, um, "Oh, yeah, who are you?" <clears throat> I said, "Oh, you know, um, I'm I'm Jane's husband. Uh, husband, yeah, you know, I'm the new 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 goalkeeper kind of thing." You know, she said, "Oh, I thought you were a youth team player because you were so quiet." <laughs> Well, I was feeling like I was feeling green, you know, and they'd got a toilet. It was a flat. They got a toilet and, and she said, are you all right? I said, I don't feel very well. <laughs> so I was going to throw up again. And I, and, and, but Karen Wilson was in the toilet and obviously, you know, couldn't like Russia. But I'd started being sick into my hand <laughs> and Karen came out. And I went in and demised the toilet and then I had to get a taxi home. I was in a complete mess. I had to stop the taxi on the way home, was sick out of the taxi, out into the curb. Um, oh, oh. And the was that the, the last of Stella? It was never had again, yeah. was oh, it? Oh, never, never again, never again, never again. No, no, no. I don't even know why I had it that night. But <laughs> oh, it was oh. the most ridiculous thing. And we had to train the next day. And we went in the next day. Oh, I had a headache, like, you know, like death. <laughs> And and Ray Ray Arford pulled me, and because he, he could smell it on me, he went, "What are you doing?" You know, and I said, "Well, you know, the lads the lads just wanted to welcome us. You know, you can't can't not." Said, yeah, but how many pints did you have? I said, "I don't know, about eight. He went, eight. He said, "He said two pints is enough." He said, three at the most." He said, eight. is that's ridiculous. Don't no. You give me a right. Give me a right. Bollocking, yeah. But at the time, I was like, "No, you're right. You're absolutely right. There's no way I should have had eight points." Yeah, but it was like it was a fierce squad. They could drink, couldn't they? Dasmo yeah. and uh, Dasmo and Danny. If you saw what Danny Wilson could drink and then go and run around like he did, he deserved to be in the team for that. <laughs> <laughs> and and the fact that he smoked as well, didn't he? Yeah, you know. But great lads. Yeah, the the other lads. Um, 
I say, we had a had an educated left foot. Um, real, real, real nice lad. Um, not a particularly big boy. Not, I suppose, Danny's not a big lad, but I think this lad was even smaller. Came from a lower league uh, where he was, um, you know, obviously scouted from. He was doing really well. And, um, yeah, real, real, a real character in the dressing room. Um, he'd got a bit of a unmistakable accent. And, um, yeah, he was just a real friendly lad. Bit of a, like a grubby little little sod, really. You know what I mean. But he he was a great little footballer um, and very good set piece taker. Was he king of the nutmegs? Yes, 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 yeah. So he, you know, they, these these guys um, together were were arguably as good a pair as I think as I can remember, really. So they were they were at the same club. Um, yeah, God bless him, David Priest. Yeah. Yeah, correct. Yeah. 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 Preecy was, uh, yeah, it was a real, obviously tragic what happened to him. Um, But he was a brilliant footballer. And I think at the time, at the time we were playing, he got involved. um, There was a, England had a B team and he went and got called up into that squad and went away with England B at one point. So, you know, he was really highly thought of. Um, At the time, I think David Seaman was just about, breaking through as well. So I don't know if it was David Seaman that got, because I think Priestley reckons that they'd been like watching me, but David Seaman was, you know, David Seaman. So I don't think they got that one wrong, did they, to be fair? <laughs> um, so, but yeah, Priestley was a class footballer. Absolutely yeah. class. Great, great lad. Great in the dressing room. Uh, great socially. But, you know, above all, he had, uh, he had a, a lovely left foot, you know, um, but also could put his foot in if he had to. Yeah, you know, he, he, good all-round footballer, good all-round midfield player. Like Danny, I just thought they complemented each other really well. Intelligent footballer, wasn't he? Intelligent footballer. He was very. I, funny enough, I was watching um, one of the reruns of the um, the Derby games when we. I don't know if you played in it, Al. We um, beat them four-two at their place, and it was like a twelve o'clock kickoff in about okay. September time, and. Um, I don't know if he was in goal for us, but anyway, Priest. Just be, we, I mean, we went one nil down, and then we come back two one, and then just before half time, Priest he gets tackled by Hessen Tyler, and it was like a big mass brawl. Priest he's jumped up and he's like right into scrap sort of thing, and it was like yeah. kicked off literally just before half time. So like you said, he loved to. He was a competitor. Don't get me wrong, because yeah. he was small. He'll still yeah. put his put himself about, you know. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Hesse was at Watford. Um, and he was a tough little player, wasn't he? Um, mm. I prob- I'm not, I don't, I don't remember playing in that game. I played against Watford. Um, we drew nil-nil. Um, the one I played in at home was just after Darren Sultan's tragic, you know, his accident. Right. With the one with Benji Tell. scored. When Benji yeah, scored. Yeah. Where we beat them. We beat them at home, and then we drew nil-nil away. Um, they were the only two games I think I played against Watford for Luton. So. Did you play the um, other way? Did you play the other way at all? Um, for Watford, yes, I did. Yeah, yeah. In fact, um, Springy scored a most amazing goal for Luton against Oh, me. Yes. Yeah, you are in goal in that one. That You are in goal for that game that was um, got really dodgy and he got... Um, it was a cup game, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah Worthington Cup, the old um, you know League Cup. Yeah. And yeah, there was trouble, wasn't there? There was trouble before the game. I think the game was either... Might have been delayed slightly. The, the fans were... There was, I think, there was a lot of trouble in town, 
What um, type of um, what type of reception did you get? Because we've all seen over the past few days um, of us recording this, someone like Andre Gray got um, a certain reception from Luton fans because switching across. Um, you mentioned other players have done it, and we all know players that have done it. Um, Sean Dyche, we've interviewed already, he's done it. What was it like for you switching across? To be fair, I think I had three years in between at, um, at Sunderland. So I don't know if that helped. Well, it definitely helped. You know, going directly from one to the other, I think, is, is really difficult. Um, but when I went back, of course, the other famous one was when we were with Watford. We were 4-0 up in 25 minutes at, Vic, at Kenilworth Road. And uh, Lenny Lawrence was manager. And uh, I was in goal at the away end. And then I had to go to the um, to the main uh, Luton end, Kenilworth Road. The Kenilworth end, yeah. Yeah, uh, to, for the second half. And I was expecting pelters. You know, I was expecting, like, I got a standing ovation. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I, every time I went every time I went back to Luton, I got a fantastic reception, I've got to say. And uh, it meant a lot. You know, it always means a lot when, when you get that kind of reaction. And, you know, I've been fortunate to go to Sunderland with Watford after I left Sunderland and because I left on a, gr- a great time, you know, when we just got promoted to the Premier League, I suppose they remember the good times, you know, because I had a tough time when I first went up there. In fact, I played at Luton for Sunderland. We got, we got beat about two or three, one. We got well beaten, you know, and uh, that was hard to go back and play against your mates that you've just been in the dressing room with. I found that really difficult after, t- after a period of time, it's not so bad, but, that initial playing there for the first time was, was tough. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, I, I've always been really thankful that, <clears throat> by and large, Luton fans have been were, were brilliant with me. Absolutely brilliant. And, what, and what, for the, what were the Watford fans like the other way around? When well, you signed um, for them, were they anti you because you play for Luton? I think there was obviously a little few raised eyebrows. And, um, um, you know, I, I think, again, fortunately for me, Kevin Miller was the first choice goalkeeper. When I came back down from uh, from Sunderland, I think the plan was for Kev to get sold and then I would have been possibly playing. But Kev didn't get sold for a year. So I had to kick, kick my heels. I only played four games the first year I went to Watford. And then Kev got sold to Crystal Palace and that's when Chris Day came as part of the deal the other way. Um, so when I stepped in, uh, Kev was ill one day uh, when I made my debut at Crewe. We literally travelled up on the day of the game. I got picked up on the motorway and uh, Kenny Jacket was manager. Uh, Graham had stepped down from... He tried to stay... Uh, he took over and tried to stay, uh, keep uh, Watford up, but they didn't stay up. Kenny got appointed manager and I signed, although Graham was sort of general manager. I signed with Graham in the office, but obviously Kenny was actually the playing manager. So when I got on the bus, he, and Kenny just went, you know, matter of fact, which Kenny is, um, you're playing today, uh, Kev's ill. I was like, all oh, right, okay. So, but this time I'm I'm 32, yeah, 32. So experienced, I've got probably four or five hundred games behind me. Still nerve wracking when you're making your debut, but we won two nil up there. But Kev was fit and well in the next game, and I, you know, Kenny, you know, left me out um, because Kev was having an incredible season. He was Player of the Year that year, and um, you know, I expected to get left out. He did, he did leave me out. And then I played, I think, three games at the end of the season when 
probably Kev had, had, he won the player of the year. He knew he was going to move. I don't know if he did have a serious injury or not. I don't think it was nothing too bad, but um, I played the last few games and then I started the, the following season. So I broke, I, I was a gentle break in, if you will. And I think had things not gone well, I'm sure I'd have been reminded of my past. But, <laughs> but uh, because, uh, you know, by and large, you know, I had, I had, a, had a good time at uh, Watford in terms of, you know, playing and performances. Um, they seem to just, you know, it always gets a mention, you know, like, oh, you know, never thought I was going to like you when you came, you know, from, from you know. But um, Nigel Gibbs has got the best way of putting it. He said, you're a born again hornet. That's how we put it. <laughs> so, you know, he forgive me because Nigel, Nigel's uh, one club man. You know, he only literally, from St Albans, played for Watford all through his career. And I ended up rooming with Gibbo. And um, Gibbo always said, you know, well, if I can forgive you, anybody can forgive you. Because, you know, uh, that, 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 you know, and I suppose it would have been the same other way. But people like Kerry Dixon had a tough time going from one club to the other, didn't they? Had a real tough yeah. time. So it wasn't automatic. I think, um, I think uh, if, if you engage with the fans and we, <clears throat> obviously at Watford, we had a lot of community stuff to do. So, you know, you went to schools after training and, um, you know, it was, you know, Graham Taylor was really big on that. Um, but not just schools, you did all sorts of presentations, you know, with, with um, businesses and things. So if you went out and you, and you um, interacted with people, they got to know you a little bit more. And, and you know what it's like, word goes round. If you're, a, if you're an idiot, word gets round. Yeah. If, if, you're, if you're an okay guy that wants to, yeah. you know, engage, then, you know, your reputation is enhanced, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I always no, think, you know. Uh, the best thing, the best advice I can give to anybody and what I give to my children is, you know, you treat people how you want to be treated. And so, you know, that's a good, I think that's a good, you know, just a simple little thing, how, how to get on with people. If, you know, it's, there's too much hate in the world, isn't there? And and also, I'll just go back to that game you said. I mean, I didn't, I mean, we had a load of injuries that day when you were 4-0 up and it was a case yeah. where if there was any time they really could come after you was, would have been that day 4-0 down in their own backyard it could have been easy yeah. just to like start on you but they didn't so no, credit, credit no. to you oh amazing amazing yeah it really was I mean I felt I felt for everybody that day because um, the atmosphere was quite toxic um, you know the Luton fans were obviously upset I get that but Lenny Lenny Lawrence was getting getting like I think people were trying to get at Lenny and uh over the dugouts because the dugouts were still <clears throat> on the on the main stand side. Uh, right. Obviously, they got, I think they got moved after that. Soon after that, probably they did. Centre forward, centre forwards, yeah, strikers. Okay, well, <clears throat> by the way, I, I should I should also go back just quickly on the centre midfielders. Two people that I wrote down as well were Micah Hyde at Watford, um, who, who was terrific. Um, <clears throat> And Roger Osborne, who I played with at Colchester United, back to Colchester days. Um, Roger obviously scored the FA Cup winning goal for Ipswich. Yeah. Um, and I travelled up and down the A12 with him from Ipswich to Colchester most days. Um, great lad. What a, you know, what a, what a good player. And, um, you know, he was, he, he was really influential in that Colchester dressing room, you know, in, in that period of time when I, I, we had a really young side. And um, a lot of us could come through the youth team or the uh, or the reserves, 
and um, and and Roger was sort of the real old head in midfield, but still really really fit. You know, for his age, he was superbly fit. Played till well over his thirty five, and um, you know, great guy, great guy, and very humble guy. You know, later in life, he became uh, a, like a lorry driver. And going back to what I was saying about our families knew each other. My uh, my dad used to come and watch a lot of games, especially when I was at Colchester. And uh, so he got to know Roger. And Roger happened to be delivering out in Ramsey one day. And he asked somebody in the high street if they knew Peter Chamberlain. And they obviously said, oh, you know, he lives down like Hollow Lane. And he went and knocked on my mum and dad's door and, and said hello to my dad. Yeah, right, that's what a top man. Well, top yeah. Man, eh? yeah. So that was, that was awesome. moving on. Um, again, you know, like always, I've got I've got four written down, but I've had to go for two, um, and it's it's a real close one in terms of target men. You know, three of them, three of the four are target men, really, and three of the four are target men. Three, yeah, yeah, and then I've got then I've got I've got the other one that's uh, like a a player that could that feed off a target man. But I'm just going to throw it out there for that for that one now. Then Kevin Phillips. No, no, because Kev, because Kev, I didn't actually. I, he was at Watford, but he was injured on Sunderland. Season. I never Not played with him at Sunderland. Okay. No, no. So although although I you know in in in, in sticking with your uh, your rules, I never actually stepped on right. the pitch with Kev. But that's, that's I trained with him. And I ran, ran round Castlebury Park with him uh, in pre-season. Just, just before he signed for Sunderland, yeah, you know, he had a real terrible year. Um, he had something wrong with his foot. They couldn't diagnose the problem. And, and it ended up, um, got it sorted. But, you know, the season was coming to an end. Um, anyway, jogging round, he was out of contract. And he, he sidled up to me and said, oh, you know, he said, you were at Sunderland, weren't you? He said, um, you know, I've got a chance to go up there. He said, well, you know, what do you reckon? I said, Kev, I said, if you go up there and score the goals that we, you know, I think you probably can, I said, you'll be a god. <laughs> and the rest is history. <laughs> yes. And he finished top scorer in the Premier League. <laughs> Absolutely. What what a player. But no, sadly, I didn't play with Kev. Didn't um, play with Kev, all right. Delighted, delighted for him. But the one, the one off of him... Um, which one are we going for, big man or little man? Well, I'll go. We'll go big man. It's, it's, it's yeah. going to be. It's going to be quite. You know, as I say, that, that, that there's two. There's two that stand out um, for different reasons at um, at uh, at one club, and then one later on um, in my career that was 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 probably as hard a player as I came. Well, it'd be a close one, but this this lad was tough as tough as teak, and not. Not particularly physically massive lad either, um, but he more than punched his weight, let me tell you. But he's not made it because this other guy was such a great all-round footballer um, and tough as teeth as well. Um, could do pretty much everything. You know, he could hold it up, could could volley it. After he chested it, he could volley it to the wide man. Um, stick it in the box, he'd head it. Um, great first touch. You know, literally um, played for his country, uh, which was an outstanding achievement um, because of the country he represents. Um, yeah, it's it's he had Michael, a great career. Michael, Michael, of course, Michael, Michael Harford. Yeah. Michael Harford. And he played, played for the country 
played for England, didn't he? For a, yeah. got a few caps for England. Um, played for Sunderland as well later later on in his career. Yes. Uh, he's a Sun- uh, he's a Sunderland boy, born and bred, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I say, Hyder uh, Helgeson was the other one I was referring to. Hyder, yeah, okay, was, was smaller than Mick. Hyder's uh, only about six foot. Mick's probably about my size, maybe even six two ish. Um, so bigger. But Hyder used to, Hyder would head a brick wall. You know, he was he was tough, real yeah. fearless. Um, not a particularly great trainer, but put him like like Mark Hughes. You know, those sort of people you talk about. You know, first pick on a on a Saturday though, because you know he would. Um, you know, he would, literally his first touch and everything would be awful all week, and then on a Saturday he would he would be he would be great. Mick Mick was um, as I say all those things I said about him. <clears throat> In the old days, with the uh, on the plastic pitch with the Adidas Tango, oh. half half volley on the mixed chest, Mick would chest it, volley it, get in the box. Fantastic, you know. I mean, literally football at its simplest, but for a big man, he had silky feet. He had such he a great touch, you know. Um, and nobody liked playing against him because he. What was it like in training him. against um, somebody like him and um, Heider Helgerson? Did you find it hard to go through them? Yeah, obviously crosses, practicing crosses, um, just kind of going through them, but punching and catching and stuff like that. Or I think I think um, with I can't really remember that far back with Mick. To be honest with you, I don't think he was overly aggressive with us in training. I don't know about you, Marv. Um, <laughs> I, he, listen, he, he Mick was Mick 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 wasn't like um, what's the word wouldn't go to do us, but Mick would compete like it's a proper like it's a proper match. To, right. Just to, to, to tell, let us know that he was there. That's when I decided in the games, all the little small sided games, to go and play in midfield or maybe set the forward sometimes. <laughs> so yeah, keep out of his way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I don't remember. I don't remember him ever putting myself on the on the backside. But Hyder was more clumsy than anything. I don't think he meant it. You know, as I say, in training, he wasn't really that kind of bad. You know, in fact, he got one of the goalkeepers, real young goalkeeper. Unfortunately, went and he, he made a bad decision going out of the box and cleaned Hyder out and uh, done his ACL at Watford at one point. But you know, Hyder was just on a Saturday. He was like, like I say, the best equivalent is Mark Hughes. They say he was terrible Monday to Friday, but on a Saturday, you know, he was tough and and you wouldn't want to play against him. And that was Hyder really. But um, I think it was more the fact. The best penalty taker I've ever seen as well, Hyder. And he, he did the one where just used to watch the keeper. And if the goalkeeper waited and waited and waited, he'd whip it into the bottom left-hand corner as we're looking. But if the goalkeeper went the other way, he just rolled the ball into the other side. He was the coolest customer ever. I never missed one. And Richard Lee, who, who, was, who was sort of like, he played a bit at, at Watford, but was more sort of like a number two, really. But he had an amazing record as a penalty saver and in training and everything you could never ever save Hyder's penalties unbelievable yeah I mean people you've seen people do it now but Hyder was one of the first to do that sort of thing um, wow. so so next yeah, to Hyder so, so next to Hyder is a little man yeah yeah the other one um, he's not little again he was probably five no, sorry five eleven but he was a he's a proper footballer um Going back, this is the one I was talking about. He should have come to Luton with us. In my opinion, he should have come to Luton at that time. Um, 
and Ray knew all about him. So I'm giving you a bit of a clue with Ray Harford's background. Um, it's from my early days. It'd be a tough one for you to get, but he went on know, a I'm, good career. I'm, yeah, I'm good career. Scored, scored a lot of goals. Scored a lot of goals. He went and played for Man City, played for Peterborough United, played for Bradford. Um, they were the main clubs. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anywhere else. He had, a, he had two or three spells at Peterborough. But um, this guy was, when I, when I played with him, Liverpool were watching him. That's how good he was, you know. And, and you're talking about Liverpool at the time with Kenny Dalglish and Ian Rush up front. And they were like looking for someone obviously to come and maybe be under them, you know, and learn, learn and, and get to eventually maybe take over from Dalglish because he was that kind of player. Um, he played wide as a winger. That first year when I was at um, Ipswich Town, a guy that also was originated from Ramsey was a school teacher in Ipswich and he was a mad uh, Colchester fan. So he would go and watch Colchester or just a football fan, actually. No, that's not, it's not right. He was a Peterborough United fan. He was just a football fan. So he used to pick me up from my digs and on a Friday night, Colchester always used to play and we used to go and watch him. And this lad was um, just out of the youth team playing wide and did really well as a winger. But then when I actually got there, he played up front with my best mate, um, who now I live in Northampton, all because of this lad, Keith Bowen. He's the other lad that played up front with Keith Bowen. Keith always says, I made him. You know, I made him. <laughs> he, do, he, used to, he used to take, he used to do like the Mick Arthur job of roughing a few people up or Hyder. And this other lad used to score all the goals. But so you, so you played with this lad at Colchester? Yeah. Yeah. And, and he so was at Peter Bridge Wise? Two or three times, yeah. He played oh. for Man City, scored a hat-trick for Man City in that famous 10-1 win against Huddersfield. Bradford, he wouldn't be a he wouldn't be a household name, would be difficult for you because you know he didn't go on and do what he should have done, but he had a good career down lower down. Um real nice lad as well, real nice lad. Comes comes away on a golf trip now and again with us. No, nah, I'm never gonna get it. Marv. You'd have played against him, Marv. I'm sure. Yeah, I know. I'm, 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 I'm trying to dig deep. Um, Liverpool were in for him as well. What, 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 what he was brilliant at, uh, at Colchester when I played with him, like say Roger Osborne would play a ball into his feet, and he could literally drop his shoulder either way, turn and get and shoot and score. You know, off either foot. Um, he was good in the air for his size. Could score any kind of goal, really. And the tragedy with the uh, Liverpool story was he'd done his cruciate at the point Liverpool were going to bid, and he just lost a bit of a half a yard of pace, which obviously made a lot of difference. Go on, put us out of a misery. His name is Tony Adcock. Oh. Had he come to Luton? Had he? This, do you know what? I did. I did he think come to Luton. Yeah, yeah. Addy the caddy. Yeah, but uh, when you if you saw him when he was about 2021, 20, unbelievable, unbelievable he was. Um, as I say, probably arguably as good a finisher as I've played with. Um, could score any kind of goal, uh, particularly remember goals. I mean, a mate of mine who's a season ticket holder still at Colchester United now, and you know when we when we always talk about, he said, "Ah, oh, Addy, Addy's the best player I've ever seen." You know, for Colchester, best finisher, just the best. Honestly, he was natural, just had natural balance, had yeah. a bit of pace. Yeah, had a bit of pace, yeah. 
but but he lost a bit, Mar. By the time you played with him, he lost a bit, and that was probably what held him back. And also, right. I tell you what, the, the the thing that Ray, God rest his soul, always said about Addy was the reason he didn't go and get him for for us. He couldn't understand why when um, he went to Man City, yeah, I think he was only there for uh, either six or twelve months, and he scored. I think he scored because he scored a hat trick. He scored still, you know, he didn't start every game, but I think he scored one in two, something like that, at Man City. Um, but Man City sold him quickly. I don't know why. They they must have had somebody else they wanted to, to get get in, and he went and signed for Northampton Town, and so he went from right. Colchester Man- in the fourth division to Man City, who I think were in the second division at the time, and he went back to the fourth division. And Ray couldn't get his head around why he did that. You know, why did why did he go back to that level? Why did he not, you know? But obviously at those <laughs> in those days, there was no agents, there was no yeah. advice. No. Addy, Addy was such a nice lad, he probably yeah, just he went was. away a long deal. He just went along. Oh, okay. Yeah, Northampton one, yeah. Oh, okay. Or what's come oh, back yeah. closer to home or any reasons. Yeah, possibly, possibly, yeah. yeah. I I've never really asked him. I'll um, I'll have to ask him next time. Um that um we're together. Why? Why? When he left Man City, he didn't dig his heels in and just wait for a. And I mean, I, he did well at Northampton. Don't get me wrong, but I know what Ray means. He could have played at that level and maybe right. higher. As well. Yeah. Yeah. He, so, he come, I remember he came to Luton. He was a good lad, Addy. I asked him about that time when I stitched him up with um, Pelitti in the um, Lecturox <laughs> toilet. In the, toilet. in the Electrolux bathroom, yeah. I knew Politi was in the cubicle because oh, yeah. I was I was in the pits and um Addy come in and it was going, mate, who the hell's that in there? Because like the noise was coming out of the toilet and I was going like that. I don't know. <laughs> and the toilet flush and Politi come out and he was like, Addy, Addy's face just was bright red. Because I knew <laughs> he was in there. And I didn't say nothing. All right. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. He's a good lad. He's a good lad. Fantastic. Yeah, so, you've named your 11 best players, Alec. Last thing no. to do is name who is the manager, either your best manager you've ever worked under, or the manager who you think could manage this best, this team best. Well, I think, you know, from a sentimental point of view, um, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with someone that at the time when he was appointed, um, he had a great. He had a great impact, I think, on on all on all of us that, that played at Luton, um, <clears throat> and he got really badly treated at the end of it, and, and we were all we were all gutted when he when he got sacked. Um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say Jimmy Ryan because, um, as I say, Jimmy Jimmy, when I went to Luton, um, I'd already I'd already been I'd already played 200 games for um, Colchester, so I was used to playing first team football. Um, then obviously had a year at Everton, come back to Luton, simply because there was a bit of thought process. You know, um, Neville Southall was the, probably arguably the best in the world at the time. It was great working with him for a year. But when I got a chance to move to Luton, with all due respect to Les, he wasn't you know, Neville Southall. So I thought, you know, well, I've got a better chance. I'm still moving into the first division. I've got a better chance there. And it was coming back down south again, you know, nearer to the family. Um <clears throat> so that was my thought process. Um, anyway, I played then for, for, for Jimmy in the reserves for quite a long time until Les, you know, eventually 
got left out after the cup final um, uh, against Nottingham Forest. And, and I got in the first team then. So I probably played seven or eight months under Jimmy in the reserves. And he was brilliant to play for, I've got to say. And we had all the young lads. You had been part of that team coming yeah. through then, weren't you? Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, we had a lot of good young players. And he just had the best camaraderie and the, and the best... He just got the, the best out of the lads, really. And then he, and, he, and he continued that with the first team. I thought yeah. he was excellent. And... The biggest tragedy for me in my time at Luton was when he, you know, he got sacked and David Kohler um, and we had the meeting with him and uh, that Peter, whatever, the other guy. His Nelkin. Partner. Nelkin, Nelkin yeah. We, well, I don't know if Peter Nelkin was still there because eventually it was just David Kohler, wasn't it? But he sacked him. We, we got called in meeting. It was the day after we just stayed up again, wasn't it? We just stayed up. Was it the Derby game or was it? Was I it think the, so, yeah. I think it was after the Derby game. And, you know, David Kohler said, um, you know, I think I asked the question, why, why have you done it? You know, and he said, um, just staying up at the, you know, after, after we'd had the high of Derby, this was two days later, they'd sacked Jimmy and he said, just staying up at this club is not good enough. Next season, we got relegated. Undefeated. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you get, sometimes you get what you deserve and David Kohler got what he deserved, in my opinion. Um, I wasn't a great fan of, of of that little fella, gotta be honest. But um, and and I'm glad they never I'm glad they never built the cola dome. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that was a talk. That tells you that tells you everything you need to know about David Kohler. And I ain't got a bad word to say about many people, but he was one no, arrogant. True. He was that one arrogant. True. Oh yeah, weren't 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 keen on him. And I'm not nothing against Pleaty, but it was just one of those things, you know. Yeah. I just didn't, couldn't couldn't get my head around it. So Jimmy. Um, will always be, um, you know, have, have a, a, a fond memories of him being our manager. Um, I remember it might have been his first game. We had Liverpool away at Anfield and it must have been his first game. And, and John Faulkner, I was obviously working with him as well. Who was another great, another great guy. And um, we were just about to go. The, whist, uh, the bell had gone to go down the, the famous steps at Anfield and on the on the physio bed, there was all these little tots of whiskey, and Jimmy said, "Before we left the door, have a shot of courage, lads." And we had to down a shot of whiskey before we went out and played at Anfield. <laughs> That's my kind of manager, let me tell you. <laughs> so yeah, so, no, no, joking apart, he was a great football man. Um, was. That was a bit of a shock to us all, really, but massive. Um, but I think um, at the same time, you know, he, he everybody loved Jimmy and he knew his football and he went on obviously to do really well at Man United as European scout. I don't know if he's still working there now. He, but, he uh, was even he was assistant manager at one stage as well. Yeah, he was. He was, he was yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah so, um, you know, Luton's loss was Manchester United's gain. And obviously yeah. he, had, he, had, he had his football, some of his football career there, didn't he, as well, before he yeah, joined Luton, true. I think. So, yeah, you know, obviously I was fortunate to play under Graham Taylor, um, you know, Ray Harford, lot, lot, of, lot of David Pleat, a lot of really, really big names. Um, but for this for this particular podcast and for this particular team, I'm going to go with Jimmy Ryan. Excellent, Al. Al, so listen, that's fantastic. Just before you go, what are you doing now? I think you've touched on it a little bit with about, about Daishi. Just... Just let all the clubs you've been at and 
um, the teams that you've played for know where on what you're doing at the moment? Yeah, so um, obviously when I was lucky, uh, when I finished uh, playing, I was became I was player coach at Watford, then I became goalkeeping coach. And then um, obviously time went on. Daichi became manager, actually, and um, after Malky. Um, and then even when Gianfranco Zola came after the big takeover, the Italians, I stayed there uh, as goalkeeping coach. But eventually um, when Gianfranco left... Um, they brought in an Italian goalkeeping coach, which was quite sort of, I was waiting for it to happen, really. I worked with Paolo, though, for quite a couple of seasons before eventually I moved down and started working in the academy. Stayed there till 2017 um, when, uh, you know, they basically wanted a park company, which was fine. Um, and since then, I've been <clears throat> initially working part-time as a scout for Burnley, and now I'm full-time as a scout, but I could... Also, the other thing that I'd started doing was picking up, um, doing the under, originally I was doing the under 19s and the under 17s with Wales, but when uh, Robert Page took over the under 21s, he wanted me to move up with him to the 21s. So that's a nice little role where, you know, I can get on the grass and, you know, still keep in touch with the, the young players of today. Um, and then... The scouting, obviously, it's changed in its formats uh, with COVID. You know, we've done a lot of work in the last, uh, what, 14 months or so <clears throat> in front of the laptop, really, doing a lot of stuff on Scout and uh, a lot of player. So it's basically doing player reports on players that might be of interest to us. You know, we've got something like 14,000, 15,000 reports on players now. You know, it's um, incredible. But, yeah, we... Uh, We've obviously got American owners now at Burnley, so we're, it's a new chapter. And, uh, you know, obviously Daichi's done an amazing job at Burnley um, and, you know, still got a little bit of work to do this season to hopefully stay up. Um, but if that's the case, then, you know, we're, we're looking towards the next window and see what we can bring in and, and, and help, you know, help for next season, really. So that's the, that's the main focus at the moment. Excellent. Fantastic, fantastic. And it was great to hear. And thank you so much for your time, Alec. Um, and, um, and it was really appreciated by myself and Marv. No, yeah, thanks, thanks you guys. Yeah, and different continents. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's, it is. Uh, thank you. Thank, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, and that was Alec Chamberlain's My Best 11. Thank you, Alec. <laughs>